Psalm chapter 1 and chapter 2. I want to point out that this book does not have an S at the end of it. So it's the book of song. Psalm means song, but not songs, although each chapter is a song, as strange as that may sound. There's 150 chapters in this book, but we won't have 150 episodes. I'm going to double up as many chapters as possible because some of the chapters are very short. So whenever they're short, I'll have two or three in one episode. Although that's not the name of the book, there were multiple psalms. They were written namely by King David, and some people think that they weren't all written by King David, but I see the language being very similar, and I also see evidence that whoever wrote them had visions of Jesus on the cross. The Psalms are about 80% about Jesus on the cross, and we'll see that as we're going through the book. They're extremely prophetic. So it was a prophetic person who wrote these songs. Now, it could have been a team of songwriters that all talked about various similar visions, but I think it's more likely that namely one person wrote these, and obviously that person would have to be King David. He was the world's most famous songwriter and musician in history. His singing ability was really phenomenal and well-known. Even today, we still have his songs in existence. David sang his entire life from the time that he was a young boy, and who knows when he really started singing. Maybe he started singing as a toddler, but even as a young boy, he was writing and singing songs before King Saul. And we know that he would have sang songs out on the field when he was with his sheep. Shepherds often used music not only for their own entertainment, but also to keep the flock calm. He most certainly would have sang songs out in the pasture with his sheep. Chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the happiness of that one who hath not walked in the counsel of the wicked, and in the way of sinners hath not stood, and in the seat of scorners hath not sat. A scorner is somebody who makes fun of other people. King David here is saying, It's a very happy life when you don't hang out with those who are wicked or who practice sin or those who make fun of other people. People mock other people because of jealousy and fear. Those are the motivations that cause us to make fun of other people most of the time. Two, but in the law of Jehovah is his delight, and in his law he doth meditate by day and by night. To consider the laws of the Lord gives you joy because the laws are all about love. And the more you meditate on the laws of God, the more you understand His love and the more you can feel love for other people. And that's why the book of Leviticus is one of my favorite books because it's all about God's law and it is a delightful book. 3. And he hath been as a tree planted by rivulets of water that giveth its fruit in its season, and its leaf doth not wither, and all that he doth he causeth to prosper. This very well describes the tree of life in heaven, so maybe King David also saw a glimpse of heaven and the tree of life, which is by the river of life, the rivulets of living water. Jesus also called himself the living water. In Revelation, we'll read that the tree of life has a different fruit for every month of the year, and that both the fruit and the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. All the people in heaven will get healed 
from their earthly experiences by eating from that tree. And the leaf doesn't wither. It's always going to be a luscious green, and it will always be fresh to eat. When we follow the Lord, we do prosper. It says here that everything you do prospers. That's a generalization, but we can think of that in spiritual terms. It's true. We may not prosper in material terms, but spiritually, everything we do does prosper when we're obeying the Lord. Our prayers availeth much. We have great faith. We have a great testimony. We can encourage others. We can share the gospel with others. And we can disciple others. So all of that is prospering in the kingdom. That doesn't mean that we're going to have physical money and physical comforts. But the kingdom will grow and we will prosper in it. For not so the wicked, but as chaff that wind driveth away. Now the wicked may prosper materially. They may have a big mansion and be world famous and all that stuff. But they're not going to prosper spiritually. In their spiritual life, they will be blown away like chaff in the wind. One key to understanding the Bible is to read it on a spiritual level rather than a material level, and then it'll make a lot more sense. Because if we read it only on a material level, this chapter is actually contradicting the book of Job. But when we read it from a spiritual perspective, there's no contradiction at all. Because Job did prosper spiritually, he was able to intercede for his friends on their behalf in prayer, but he wouldn't have been able to do that if he had sinned. 5. Therefore the wicked rise not in judgment, nor sinners in the company of the righteous. The wicked won't be able to stand side by side with the righteous before God's throne of judgment. 6. For Jehovah is knowing the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked is lost. When we obey his commands, he knows us and we know him. But he'll say to the wicked, Depart from me, I never knew you. And that concludes Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why have nations tumultuously assembled, and do peoples meditate vanity? King David is asking, why do the nations get together in a vain way? They have their idea of how they're going to conquer the world or supposedly make it better, but it's all vanity. So when we look at organizations like NATO and the EU, we know that those organizations are organizations of vanity. Ultimately, they don't do themselves any good. We still have just as much war, poverty, and crime as we ever did. In fact, it's exploding in spite of all of these other alliances around the world. They're not helping us. Two, station themselves to kings of the earth, and princes have been united together against Jehovah and against his Messiah. Yes, these world organizations are united against Jesus Christ. They don't proclaim his gospel. They don't obey him. They actually cause wars. These worldwide organizations proliferate wars. 3. Let us draw off their cords and cast from us their thick bands. This is the nation saying, we want to choose who we're going to serve and who we're going to have alliances with. And they don't want to have an alliance with God. They want to practice their paganism and their sin and their lawlessness. For he who is sitting in the heavens doth laugh, the Lord doth mock at them. God laughs in triumph against anyone who's evil, because ultimately everybody is his pawn and he will win the battle in his own way and in his own time. 
he's really the one in control. 5. Then doth he speak unto them in his anger, and in his wrath he doth trouble them. The Lord troubles the nations because of their sin. He brings earthquakes, floods, hail, storms to us because we won't repent of our sins. 6. This is what the Lord says, And I, I have anointed my king upon Zion, my holy hill. His king is Jesus, and Jesus will return on Mount Zion. That's what the book of Revelation says, and it's also written in other books, including the psalm, right here in chapter 2. 7. I declare concerning a statute, Jehovah said unto me, My son thou art, I today have brought thee forth. God did tell King David that he was like a son to him, and that King David was brought forth to be a king, but this is also a prophetic statement about Jesus Christ. The Father brought his own son forth to be king of the world. Ask of me, and I give nations my inheritance and my possession, the ends of the earth. The Lord did give King David the nations in a sense that he subdued the nations around Israel. But we know that this is prophetic about Jesus Christ because the Father gave the Son all nations on earth in which to bring salvation and to ultimately subdue at the end of days. 9. Thou dost rule them with a scepter of iron, as a vessel of a potter thou dost crush them. This also has to be talking about Jesus Christ because in the book of Jeremiah that we're going to be reading later, it talks about God being the potter and human beings being the clay, and he molds us into whatever he wants us to be. And here it's referring to the king of kings being the potter over the clay. And also it says he will rule with a scepter of iron. That's also said in the book of Isaiah, which we're going to read soon and in the book of Revelation, about Jesus Christ. 10. And now, O kings, act wisely, be instructed, O judges of earth. Those kings who obey the Lord are wise, and most kings aren't, and most presidents aren't, but there are a few in history that have endeavored to obey the Lord. 11. Serve ye Jehovah with fear, and rejoice with trembling. We should have a holy fear of God and serve him knowing that he can put us in hell forever or in heaven forever, and that should cause us to fear his holiness and his wrath if we don't obey him. And it says rejoice with trembling. This is a great paradox. The kind of God that you have to fear for your eternal life is the same kind of God that can bring you joy, because he has control and power. A weak, man-made God has no power over us, and therefore there's nothing to be happy about, because he can't make our lives better. He can't take us into heaven. But the same God who can destroy us is the same God who can save us. And that's why rejoicing and trembling go hand in hand. 12. Kiss the chosen one, and of course that is Jesus Christ. Lest he be angry, and ye lose the way, when his anger burneth but a little, O oh, the happiness of all trusting in him. This hymn has a capital H, and so does the his in anger. This is definitely talking about God himself, in the form of the chosen one, which is Jesus Christ the Son. Kissing him means being his friend and his brother or sister. You would only kiss somebody who you knew intimately when you greet them. So we have to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in the New Testament, You are not my friend unless you obey me. 
The way to have an intimate life with Christ is through obedience, not through singing songs or going to church, but through obedience. And that concludes Psalm chapter 2.